Hey guys, welcome back to episode two of Easter Egg Hunt, a Taylor Swift podcast by the Spin Cycle Media. I'm your host, Kiara McKinney, and we have quite a doozy this month because since our last episode, Blondie has announced Speak Now, Taylor's version, like I predicted in our last episode, started dating and broken up with Maddie Healy. Um, released the Till Dawn version of Midnight's, collaborated with Ice Spice, and announced the Latin American leg of the Eras Tour. So we have a lot to talk about today. So let's go ahead and get into it. I think we all knew that Speak Now, Taylor's version was on the horizon, mainly because of the motifs in the Bejeweled music video that was released Back in October, I believe, I think the biggest clue besides all of the fairy tale imagery, which ties back to a lot of different Speak Now tracks, was the elevator scene where she presses the purple button that goes to floor number three. She announced that Speak Now, Taylor's version, was coming at her Nashville show, one of them, While Maddie Healy was in attendance, essentially um, the confirmation of them dating, which was first kind of predicted, teased by the um, gossip guru Dumois. She kind of dropped that Easter egg on her podcast and people were really mad at her about it but then Maddie Healy showed up at that Nashville show and then I guess accompanied Phoebe Bridgers Phoebe Bridgers on stage as well one night and then was seen um going back to Taylor's condo with her after a show as well we'll get back to Maddie Healy later but right now again we're talking about speak now So, as of today, while I'm recording this, it is Monday, June 5th, and just like an hour ago, while I was in a work meeting, Taylor actually posted on Instagram the back of Speak Now Taylor's version's album cover, which includes all of her tracks, including the vault tracks, and now we know the featured artists, which include Fall Out Boy and Haley Williams. So who who would have thought that Speak Now would include like some major like emo punk icons? Like I would expect that for maybe reputation, but definitely not Speak Now. So I'm really excited about those little tidbits. So let's go through the track list together. So of course we have all of the original songs, but it is does look like it is the deluxe version um so we have mine sparks fly back to december speak now dear john mean the story of us never grow up enchanted better than revenge innocent haunted last kiss long live ours and superman then from the vault we have electric touch featuring fallout boy when emma falls in love see you Castles Crumbling, featuring Haley Williams, Foolish One, and Timeless. In the picture, Taylor is wearing a dress very similar to her original Speak Now cover that's kind of lighter purple, Um, and she's got ballet slippers on, which I love. 
in her post, she says, I'm very excited to show you the back cover of Speak Now, my version, including the vault tracks and collaborations with Haley Williams from Paramore and Fall Out Boy. Since Speak Now is all about my songwriting, I decided to go to the artist who I feel influenced me most powerfully as a lyricist at that time and ask them to sing on the album. They're so cool and generous for agreeing to support my version of Speak Now. I recorded this album when I was 32 and still growing up now, and I can't wait to unveil it to you all on July 7th. I think it's really interesting that she wrote this like country pop album, but was really inspired by like these emo songwriters, um, Pete Wentz and Haley Williams. That's just really interesting to me. I think one question on a lot of our minds is, will she change the lyrics to better than revenge? I personally really hope that she doesn't. I really hope that she doubles down. And I think that that's kind of part of why maybe she's having Haley Williams on this album is because Misery Business does kind of have the same feel of better than revenge, where, of course, yes, it is now in today's lens viewed as like misogyny, when really at the core of it, it's just like an angry teenager, angry at another girl and is, you know, acting on that emotion. And that is like a real emotion. And I like appreciate it. I appreciate like the honesty and the like rawness of it. So I really hope she doesn't change it. I I think that I think that that's something that everybody will appreciate, like that kind of like authenticity. I hope that it doesn't devolve into like a whole like anti-hero music video thing where she had to kind of like erase the um, the word fat from the scale. I think that being honest about the the things that happen to us make us feel regardless of whether or not it's right is what like artists are supposed to do um, and I think that that is the purpose of that song I think that's what it serves on the album I think that if like artists were always supposed to present like the best version of themselves we would be lacking a lot of our best music so I really hope that she leaves in the, you know, um, she's better known for the things she does on the mattress. I think it's clever. I think it's funny. And I think it's like cunning and bitchy. And I think that it's nice to see a bitchy side of Taylor, don't you? (laughs) I want to take a look at these vault song track names and kind of make some bold predictions as to who maybe they're gonna be about we know that speak now was written completely by taylor with no co-writers in the room between the years of 2008 and early to mid 2010 while she was on her fearless tour so we know that some contenders that could possibly be um, mentioned in these songs include the likes of joe jonas taylor lautner john mayer those kinds of it's that era I think we might also get maybe a glimpse of very early Jake Gyllenhaal perhaps I don't know that might have come a little bit later as this song or this album was released in October of 2010 and I think that that's when they met but because these songs from the vault were written over that time period I guess it is possible that she could have like started a song too late to make the album and then like put it on the album now you know what I mean so it the 
anything is possible with these re-records, really. Electric Touch featuring Fall Out Boy to me feels very much like it's going to be John Mayer, partially because Fall Out Boy and John Mayer have collaborated before on Beat It. And Electric Touch, I just, I just have this feeling that based on the lyrics of would have, could have, should have. Also, like sparks fly. There's so much imagery with uh, Taylor and John Mayer about her kind of being tempted to go down this road, following her, um, you know, physical desires, despite maybe her like brain telling her no and her body saying yes, kind of thing. Which I think a lot of teenage girls have that kind of dilemma, and it's a really hard. Um, decision to make when you're young because you're like um, I want to be a woman but um, at the same time I'm scared to be taken advantage of but also I want to explore these things but also I don't want to make an ass out of myself it's a very scary time to be a teenage girl so I think that like the imagery she uses plus like the featuring fallout boy I just have a feeling that track number 17, Electric Touch, is going to be a John Mayer song. When Emma falls in love, um, I'm going to guess that this is something kind of Jane Austen-y. I think that we're talking about the book, the novel, Emma. And for those of you who are not English nerds, the novel Emma is about a kind of a meddler. She's a young woman who decides that she's going to like play matchmaker and all of her friends and acquaintances life and she kind of like avoids actually falling in love herself she doesn't really want those kinds of relationships so she focuses kind of on everybody else's love life around her and fixes people up and blah 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 and so I'm gonna guess that this song is about what happens when that person falls in love for themselves so that seems like a literary reference to me I don't think that one's gonna be about a boy necessarily now I can see you this one's tricky I have a feeling I know kind of the premise of what this song is gonna be about I have a feeling because she she does talk about this kind of concept a lot about men being really scared of showing their true selves to a partner a potential partner wanting to be seen a certain way wanting to portray a certain persona as opposed to being seen for their like real selves their true selves and I I feel like that's the statement being made here is like it's almost like a taunt of like I can see you I see through you maybe so it's tough to say who this is gonna be about I can I think that we can definitely eliminate Taylor Lautner from this one as he's you know sweet and innocent um but I'm gonna I'm I don't know I'm gonna guess this one is maybe a Joe Jonas song perhaps um because she does write a lot about you know him being like a scared little boy running away and those kinds of things so I wonder if this is going to be kind of more of that kind of concept of being like I I see you for what you are or kind of a, a nice the nicer version of that which is like I see you I saw you for you know I saw your soul whatever and that scared you kind of thing then we have foolish one which okay this one I think is for sure about John Mayer okay because 
you know, all of the songs about John Mayer are about how she feels stupid. She like all of them include, you know, the would have, could have, should have theme. Dear John, she says, I should have known you should have known. And then we've got, of course, would have, could have, should have, which is kind of either a precursor or a follow up to Dear John. So I'm guessing that Foolish One is going to be a follow up to that as well, which is maybe a comment on which one of them should feel dumb <laughs> for, you know, the backlash. But I do think there was some kind of public fallout from their relationship because people were like, um, John Mayer, hello, she was 19. Like, she's right, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I think a lot of people were like, what are you doing, man? And now, you know, he's he's gallivanting around with Kiernan Shipka, whatever. She's 23 and Cassie David, who's also 23 and he's like 43. So he's doing the same shit now. So whatever. Then timeless, you know, obviously this is one word. So this one's a little bit difficult. Also, I just realized I skipped castles crumbling. We'll come back to that. Timeless. That one's tough because, yeah, one word. But I, I'm going to give that one to Taylor Lautner because, you know, Back to December is her only song that we know of about Taylor Lautner, I think. So I'm going to guess that he, she's going to give him one more song <laughs> just to be nice. <laughs> but, okay, so Castle's Crumbling. That one is going to be, of course, about, like, a perfect relationship falling apart. So I'm going to maybe give that one to Joe. I'm going to give that one to Joe Jonas. It features Haley Williams. I don't know if that is going to mean that it's a little bit screamy, if it's a little yelly. I hope so. I would like to note that there is a Paramore song entitled Brick by Boring Brick, um, which is kind of about tearing down a building. It, that's kind of similar imagery there. But yeah, go listen to that song. See if that makes you kind of envision similar imagery that the, um, that the title Castles Crumbling does, because I think that's kind of interesting. Something to note is that I don't really see a whole lot of tracks on here that conjure any thoughts of Kanye which is notable considering that Innocent is most definitely about Kanye that's kind of her first comment on him I think this really speaks to either well one or two things this either speaks to how really done and over the whole situation she is or she's saving it all up for reputation since we last spoke, we also received the Midnight's Till Dawn edition, which comes after the 3 a.m. edition. So we got the remix of Karma with Ice Spice, another version of Snow on the Beach with more Lana Del Rey, and a never before heard track called You're Losing Me. Taylor also brought Ice Spice on stage at all three of MetLife Stadium's concerts, which was huge. Sorry if you just heard my phone buzzing. <laughs> You're Losing Me is actually only on the CD version of the album, which is on sale on site at the Eras Tour. But it's really like a devastating track and definitely gives a lot of insight into, I think, the demise of Taylor and Joe's relationship. I think it talks a lot more about maybe some of her insecurities and maybe his like resistance 
and those sorts of things and kind of their disconnect. And this is something I think I talked about on the last episode. I have always believed that Joe like really sought privacy and like really expected Taylor in a way to like give up some of her fame for him. And um, I think we saw that a lot um, in the track piece from Folklore. Um, I think I talked a little bit about how I relate a lot to that song in a different way, not because I'm famous, obviously, um, but just because my life includes a lot of chaos (laughs) in a similar way. Um, But anyway, she says in You're Losing Me, she says, we thought a cure would come through in time. Now I fear it won't. So that kind of indicates that maybe they thought that they'd meet in the middle later, um, but that didn't happen. She also sings, and the air is thick with loss and indecision. I know my pain is such an imposition. Now you're running down the hallway, and you know what they all say. You don't know what you got until it's gone. She talks about her endless empathy um, and being the bravest soldier. Um, And then, of course, in the bridge, she says, and I wouldn't marry me either, a pathological people pleaser who only wanted you to see her which I think, again, gives us a lot of insight into what she wanted. She wanted, you know, to be chosen. Um, and it, this song, I think, shows that he never really chose her in the same way she chose him, which I think, you know, we definitely saw some of that in Bejeweled as well with the putting someone first only works if you're in their top five lyric. So, and then that kind of connects also with the, that song, I mean, also connects with the lyric to, in You're Losing Me, that says, I'm the best thing at this party. And then going into, but I wouldn't marry me either, which is kind of like this, like, high-low dichotomy that um, exists both in this song and in Bejeweled. Um, And I think that that's kind of the illustration that she's painting with a lot of the Joe songs, or it's kind of this weird thing where it's kind of like the both this like great relationship but it's almost that there's like it's more about the potential of what the relationship could be than what the relationship actually is which I think I like to call these almost relationships and I think that a lot of people experience these I have been in an almost relationship before meeting my husband where maybe like you're with somebody that you really love and who really loves you and you do have something good but there are things that are missing and there are these ways that you just simply aren't compatible and one of you has to bend and the one of you who maybe should bend on paper the one who like maybe is um like in this case the one who's less famous or who has less to lose whatever should be the one to bend is the one who's more fixed that those kinds of things arise and so you're just kind of at this impasse and so it just doesn't work out and I think everybody has those kinds of relationships and they're really hard to move on from because and you do stay in them too long because you're like you just think that it's going to get better because you're like that you think that it's the best you can do you think and some people do marry those people and I actually think that the best case scenario is to get out of your almost relationship the worst case scenario is to marry your almost relationship and then be stuck with them and be frustrated with them for the rest of your life 
So I think that that's kind of what we're seeing in this song and what we kind of got a little bit of a taste of with Bejeweled. I also think this supports the theory that a lot of Swifties had that she changed her views on marriage to fit Joe's, the I wouldn't marry me either, because she used to write a lot about marriage and kind of idealized and fantasized about marriage. And then all of a sudden she said that other people wanted her to get married on Lavender Haze. And it was like, what? I was like, what? you're the one who talked about getting married and now all of a sudden like you think it's us Uh, this lyric I think for me kind of came full circle made me feel validated I think in the way that I listened to those songs you know I think that we're starting to see a full story of what happened here with Joe and Taylor Another interesting thing about the Ice Spice collab is that allegedly Ice is who reached out to Taylor, that she said that she's been a longtime fan of Taylor's and that she'd love to collaborate. And that's how that came together. So I think that that's a really interesting kind of thing, because I would have thought the opposite. I would have thought, especially based on what Taylor posted on her Instagram when she announced the collaboration, I definitely would have thought that she like reached out to iSpice. Um, and I believe that this is the first time um, that Taylor has collaborated with a female rapper. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the only other time she's collaborated with a rapper has been Kendrick Lamar on Bad Blood. Um, but please do correct me if I am wrong. So I'm going to use the Ice Spice collaboration to kind of wade into the Maddie Healy stuff um, just because um, I do think that maybe his kind of double down on the Ice Spice comments might be where that relationship went south. Or I'm not even going to call it a relationship. That casual fling went south. So let's take it back to the beginning. Taylor attended a concert of the 1975 back in January where Maddie is like, I'm not going to kiss anybody in the crowd tonight because the queen is in the audience or whatever. And so that kind of raised some eyebrows, but she's still like allegedly with Joe at this point. But I don't know. I guess they like stayed up all night talking. I kind of figure she was like venting about Joe, probably like itching to get back out there and go on tour, that kind of thing. I figure it was more of like an artist to artist, heart to heart kind of thing. I don't really suspect anything nefarious, but that's neither here nor there. On April 8th, the breakup with Joe Alwyn is announced. I actually predicted on April 9th on the Sin Cycle Instagram, go look. I predicted, I said, I my bold prediction is that Taylor Swift dates Maddie Healy next, even if for a very brief moment in time. And that's exactly what happened. On May 3rd, Dumois, it kind of like teases this rumor that Maddie Healy and Taylor Swift are talking they're dating whatever and that all these people in the music industry like know about it that it's like kind of widely known and come to find out the reason that that is is because so many people on the on the Eras tour are connected to Maddie Healy and he's like really good friends with Phoebe Bridgers with Jack Antonoff all these people so it's kind of this like big circle of people kind of like no Maddie Healy no Taylor and so the word starts getting out in the music industry so the rumor first like hits the internet May 3rd then on May 6th He attends the Nashville concert, and so that kind of fuels the fire. 
Then they start being spotted out together. Of course, he goes back to her condo with her after the Nashville shows. They're starting to be spotted together. It's never like overtly confirmed. She never calls him her boyfriend. She never like says his name on stage or anything like that. But he is at some concerts. He is seen in her car. He is seen at her condo, those sorts of things. But it seems to be casual, flirty cute, nothing crazy or anything like that. Despite this, fans freak out because, of course, Maddie Healy has this colorful history, checkered past. He said terrible things about a lot of women. He's he's made some poor judgment calls in the past, I guess, is the best thing I can say. He's kind of like your quintessential rock star. It's like he's trying to be somebody from the past. I guess that is kind of indicative of his band's name, like whatever. Um, But he definitely is trying to be this like throwback version of what a rock star is. Like, I don't know. He's kind of like a parody of himself. Some of his like antics are silly and like haha, he he, whatever. But then other things that he does are just like straight up abhorrent. Let's deep dive into some of that really fast. So back in 2014, when those rumors first started to swirl about him dating Taylor Swift because she like attended a show and like wore a t-shirt or whatever. He, like, actually got really offended about it. And what he said was kind of strange. He said, it's just interesting to me how interested the world is about Taylor Swift. The reason I mention that is because if I had properly gone out with Taylor Swift, I would have been like, fucking hell, I am not being Taylor Swift's boyfriend, you know? Fuck that. That's also a man thing, a demasculating, emasculating thing. And then he said that those quotes were taken out of context, of course. In 2020, when he was trying to support Black Lives Matter, he tweeted, if you truly believe that all lives matter, you need to stop facilitating the end of black ones, which is a great tweet, except for he also linked his song, (laughs) Love It If We Made It, which like, yes, features lyrics that like touch on police brutality. But, you know, he like was promoting his music during this like, you know, terrible time for black people, his like, all white man band like it just was a little tasteless so I mean it could have been um it could have been done better but so he reposted his Black Lives Matter tweet and then shared a song in a separate tweet and then he temporarily deactivated his Twitter because people got even more mad at that then also of course he like brings he brings fans on stage and kisses them He, like, kissed a male fan in Dubai where being gay is illegal, so he, like, obviously could have gotten that man in a whole lot of trouble. He kissed people during the pandemic, a la Morgan Wallen in Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide, shout out. And then, of course, as you've probably seen, he did the fucking Nazi salute during the Love It If We Made It performance, which... He was doing ironically to, you know, like make fun of Kanye. He was trying to reference that Kanye was a Nazi. It was satirical, um, which, you know, I get it, but you still shouldn't do the fucking Nazi salute on stage, I think is the point. (laughs) So, you know, like, uh, that's it. But he's never acknowledged it or responded to that backlash, whatever. 
Then, of course, most recently, he like mocked Ice Spice on this podcast and he talked about how he slid into Ice Spice DMs um, and then the other people made fun of her appearance, I guess. And they imitated these like Chinese and Hawaiian accents. They said she looked like a chubby Chinese lady, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to like repeat all the things they said or anything like that. You can go look it up if you want to. But like all these white dudes you've never heard of sitting around making fun of the like most famous young woman in the world right now, like LOL. So this was in February that the episode aired. So probably back in January. Um, So the episode was then pulled from Apple and Spotify. And then in April, um, Maddie apologized for the comments at first when he was performing in New Zealand. And he said, quote, I never meant to hurt anybody. I'm sorry if I've offended you. And like, I Spice, I'm sorry. It's not because I'm annoyed that me joking got misconstrued. It's because I don't want I Spice to think I'm a dick. I love you, I Spice. I'm so sorry. I don't want anything to be misconstrued as mean. I don't mind being a bit of a joker, but I don't want to be perceived as like kind of mean hearted. And she ignored that entirely. But then in an interview with The New Yorker published just last week, he addressed it and said that it actually doesn't matter. And he said, quote, if it does matter to you, you're either deluded or you are sorry, a liar. You're either lying that you are hurt or you're a bit mental for being hurt. It's just people going, oh, there's a bad thing over here. Let me get as close to it as possible so you can see how good I am. And I kind of want them to do that because they're demonstrating something so base level. So this like breakup news comes at a really interesting time because again, like he apologized publicly to Ice Spice back in what April. So around the time that he was seemingly like possibly chasing after Taylor Swift. But then now that things are kind of running its course, now he's doubling back and doubling down. Interesting. Taylor and Maddie were last seen together on May 25th out on a dinner date. I think they've really only been on like double dates together with Jack and his wife, if I'm not mistaken. Again, public sentiment has been very much anti the two of them. I have been in the camp where I just like don't think that it's fair to attach a woman's like character or value system to the kind of men they date. I think that there's a lot that goes into the dating process, especially for women that has to do with self-esteem and trauma and um, family history and all kinds of things. I don't think it's just like a hundred percent value based. And I think that's very honestly like short-sighted and juvenile. I think that I always saw this as a rebound and it's within every woman's right to rebound with the worst human being ever. I just think that, you know, you shouldn't marry somebody who acts like this. (laughs) You shouldn't have kids with them and you shouldn't defend them publicly and, you know, those kinds of things. And she didn't. I don't think that this reflects poorly on Taylor's values or her character at all. I think she just was like making out with a like rock star for about what like three four weeks that's fine whatever 
after the news that he doubled down on the Ice Spice comments in that New Yorker interview, he was also seen kissing his security guard at his tour over the weekend. So my guess is that they probably broke up sometime between that last public dinner date and that kiss. So I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if they broke up over his comments in the New Yorker because I can imagine that Taylor cares enough about her reputation to draw the line at something like that so who knows maybe we'll find out I wonder if we'll get any kind of music about Maddie I don't know if it like (laughs) was too short of a fling to get any kind of music about it but even if it's just a song about like her fans turning on her for like a rebound I'd be into that (laughs) Okay, next up, we have to talk about Taylor Swift announcing her Latin American leg along with Sabrina Carpenter, which has ignited like this total Gen Z drama about like Olivia Rodrigo and how that ties into the Sabrina Carpenter of it all. So if you, like me, (laughs) were born before like 1998, then I'm going to give you a whole overview of this shebang so that you understand what's going on and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty so if you don't even know who these people are olivia rodrigo is of course our like gen z pop queen of driver's license fame so olivia rose to fame actually by being on disney plus's high school musical the musical the series (laughs) and um she started dating her co-star joshua bassett somewhere around february of 2019 um and so That boy, Joshua Bassett, then went on to start dating Sabrina Carpenter somewhere around July 2020. They were seen at a Black Lives Matter protest together. So then Olivia wrote Driver's License, which came out in January of 2021. And of course, there's that line in there that says you're probably with that blonde girl. And that blonde girl refers to Sabrina. Sabrina is also kind of a Disney girl. Um, She was on Girl Meets World. She plays Maya. And she also has been on like a Netflix movie before. And she has um, her own music as well. She is not nearly as big as Olivia. Her music has not like hit the zeitgeist the way that Olivia's has. Um, But she released a response to Driver's License called Skin about a little bit less than a month after driver's license came out. So they've been kind of in a public feud ever since 2021. Now, both Olivia and Sabrina have been very public about their adoration for Taylor. They both have attended a lot of Taylor's concerts, posted about how much they like admire and are inspired by Taylor's work. Um, and how it plays into their own writing styles. So this is very important to this story. At some point in January, um, Driver's License is on the iTunes charts beneath two of Taylor Swift's Evermore songs. And 
of course, Olivia, being a huge Swifty, posts a screenshot on Instagram and is just like so excited. And Taylor Swift acknowledges this and comments on it and like calls her her baby. And this is like sends Olivia over the moon. And that's kind of where their relationship begins. After driver's license, like, absolutely topped the charts and rocketed Olivia to, like, mainstream fame, she followed up with a single called Deja Vu. Deja Vu is released on April 1st of 2021. Then on May 11th, Olivia posts a picture with Taylor. This is, like, the first time, I guess, they meet in real life, and that's, like, a huge moment. After releasing Deja Vu, she talked in some interviews about how the bridge of Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer had really inspired a lot of the song. Then, mysteriously, a couple months later, on July 9th, Taylor and Jack are suddenly given writing credits on Deja Vu. This isn't the only time this happened. When the full album came out, then... um, A similar thing took place with both Good For You and Misery Business by Paramore. And then again with Taylor with One Step Forward, Two Steps Back on Sour. That song, they specifically cited New Year's Day by Taylor Swift. So it's kind of up for debate whether or not Olivia Rodrigo was plagiarizing or just really failed to like credit the inspiration that she drew from other artists at first this was kind of looked at as a friendly thing because um olivia just kind of like you know settled it all did the right thing and olivia and taylor were pictured together blah 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 whatever but rumor has it that taylor was actually kind of irritated by the whole thing because she did you know, praise um, Olivia so much and I guess sent her a really nice gift and um, was really trying to um, kind of welcome her into the industry and she kind of felt miffed by the whole thing. Another interesting thing to note is that Gracie Abrams, who is currently touring with Taylor during the American leg of her tour, also toured with Olivia just last year in her Sour tour. And the two of them have been best friends for a really long time. They just quit touring together at like the end of April 2022. They both kind of run in that same circle with Conan Gray and Iris Apatow. They're kind of like the Gen Z it girls. I think they're also friends with like Zendaya. I don't know. Too young for me to like really know. Taylor and Sabrina don't have that much of a history, but they have rubbed elbows at a lot of different events over the years. The VMAs, the AMAs, etc, etc. Sabrina has presented Taylor with awards they've taken pictures together at VMA after parties those kinds of things I am not certain if Sabrina and Gracie are friends that's something I've been kind of trying to dig into I think that that is what would kind of crack this wide open to me I don't know if like Gracie is friend is like I don't know if she's like the link to all these people um I have no idea um but also just a fun fact Gracie Abrams is J.J. Abrams of Star Wars fame's daughter also or all that to say 
A lot of people think that there might be a mini feud brewing between Olivia Rodrigo and Taylor Swift, but it's also just possible that there's a little bit of hurt feelings on both sides. Um, It's hard to say right now, but keep a lookout and stay tuned for more info. And I will definitely be keeping kind of regular updates on that front on the regular podcast on the Spin Cycle podcast. So if you want updates on that, definitely follow along on the Spin Cycle media. All right, Swifties, that's the podcast for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something that you didn't already read on the internet. I am so happy that so many of you tuned in for our first episode. So keep sharing and liking, subscribing, all those things, you know. And tell me what you'd like to see more of because there are so many of you here already and I am just so overwhelmed by how many of you found the very first episode so fast. Thank you so much for your support. Um, I'm so, so excited to experience Speak Now Taylor's version with all of my new Swifty friends. I love you so much. I will talk to you next month. Have a great week. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,